Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight and you would, find with me Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter. As you're finding that, as always, just want to thank you for being here this evening. And uh, if you would, be praying here in just a moment as we pray together for all the activities that are going on tonight, whether it's the Iwana or the Blast or the youth, the Lord would be at work in a mighty way. And uh, we're thankful to have everybody back in the building tonight. And uh, before we jump in tonight, let's just uh, pray together, if you would. Father, we thank you so very, very much for the wonderful privilege to, to be with your people tonight and to sing your praises. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open your word, Lord, that you would speak and work in a mighty way. Father, that you would, uh, uh, Lord, use a sinful servant, Lord, uh, to bring glory and honor to yourself. Father, you know the needs of every heart in this congregation. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he could do to convict and work and move, Lord. And that tonight we would leave here loving you more and loving each other more as well. And so, Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you will, the title of the sermon is Don't Grow Weary When You Don't See Results. And... Um, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the number one New Year's resolution is pretty much every year? People have one goal each year, and it is to what? Lose weight. And I don't know about you, but I've always been in the mindset that if I eat one salad, I ought to lose weight. That's just my mindset, that every salad should be a pound. And, um, or every time I go for a walk, it ought to just, the weight just ought to fall off. And so usually by the time I get to the end of my driveway, I feel like I've done something really good. And uh, as you can tell, it's not doing very good. But I am like most people, I quit when I don't see results. And sometimes it's easy when you've tried, especially as a church, and I think this is something I struggle with as a believer, is when you try to help people and you watch people do the same things over and over again. You try to help a family get out of poverty, but yet they go do the same thing over and over again. You try to help a couple in their marriage problems, but yet they do the same thing over and over again. And if you've ever had the feeling, you know what, I am done with them and we are moving on, tonight I can tell you that I have that feeling sometimes. And that's not just with church, it's probably that things at work, right? You've probably worked with somebody that you've realized they are not the sharpest tool in the shed. They don't have the greatest work ethic. And if you can stay away from them and let them do their thing, you'll do yours. You have just given up trying to help them. And those are kind of comical but yet frustrating things. But maybe tonight you're here and you've got a prodigal in your family. A son or daughter that you've prayed for and you've tried to help. And, and you've bailed them out of jail. And you've bought them car after car after They've been in wrecked and in, in trouble, and tonight I know it's easy to give up on a prodigal like that, but I can tell you, I was once that prodigal, but yet it's so easy to say we're going to wash our hands of them, right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move on because we've grown weary doing good, and especially if we haven't seen the results that we want. And tonight I want to show you that when it comes to what God has called us to do, I think we as churches are the worst at when we don't see the results that we think we should 
having a desire to move on, to try something new, to, to give up. And here in chapter 13, Jesus has just begun to face outright opposition. They are arguing with him. They're wanting to kill him. They're trying to trick him. And so Jesus begins to teach in a different way. He begins to do some things differently. And tonight I want to encourage you that even when you don't see the results that you think you should, don't grow weary. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of the Word of God, starting in verses 1 of chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 and then work our way on down. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. And don't miss that word, parables. Saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And don't miss verse 9 tonight. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pray with me. Father, we pray that you'd bless the reading and preaching of your word for your glory tonight, God. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to be very quickly moving through this and then explain it at the end. We see here that Jesus changes his method when the time was needed. And so if you're taking notes, that's the first thing I want you to write down, is that Jesus changed his method. He went from teaching straight up, right in their face, to where he faces this opposition, he begins to change it. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus is going to explain exactly what he means here in a moment. But tonight I want you to hear this because I think sometimes we get so set in our ways that change is not possible. That we can't do things differently at home. We can't do different things at work. We, we can't try new things at church. But yet Jesus begins to teach in parables for the first time. And there's a reason behind why. And I want to show you the why Jesus changes his methods. Look here in verses 10 through 17. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. And don't miss this right here in verse 15. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus is telling them this has been prophesied in the Old Testament that the longer they say no, the more dull they will grow. And I heard a preacher say this, and uh, it only takes us to get over something as soon as the new wears off. How many of you remember when you stopped having to have your children change the television station? That was probably one of the most amazing things, wasn't it? You could take the remote, you can put it at the television, and it would what? Change, right? But my kids, they don't even know what a remote is. They do it on the phone. They put the TV on by the iPad. And so to them, a remote control is no big deal. They don't matter to them. But to you, that newness was an amazing thing. Now, I'm not going to say this one because this will make some of you feel really old probably, but is there anybody that remembers when you got indoor plumbing? Yeah, that's all right. That was a big deal. I can't imagine a time when I didn't need to stop at McDonald's or Huck's or Dairy Queen and just, you know, just go. But yet, when that newness wears off, we get over things. And friends, the longer you do something and the longer you experience something, the easier it is to get over something. You see, friends, that's the same way it happens at church. Well, I've been coming to Sunday night church so long, you know, I've just kind of got over the fact that I get the privilege to come to church on Sunday nights. You know what, I've been coming to Sunday school so long, I just kind of got over the specialness of getting to come to Sunday school. Well, I've been coming to church so long, I've just got over the specialness of worship. But do you remember when you first got saved? Especially if you were an adult. Do you remember what it was like going from wanting nothing to do with church to wanting to be here every time you could? Do you remember what it was like to not wanting anything to do with your Bible and just can't get enough of it? But what happens over time? We get over it. And Jesus says the children of Israel have been given every opportunity, every opportunity, every opportunity, and they have grown more dull and more dull. And so I am not going to continue to fight with them and argue with them. I am going to minister to those that have responded that God is at work in their life. And this third and final thing tonight is where we're going to spend all of our time is in the explanation that Jesus gives us about the parable of the sower. And so let's just jump right in here in verses 18 through 23. And I want to talk to you tonight about the seed, the sower, and the soil tonight. So it starts here in verse 18 and says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises before, because of the world, immediately he stumbles." 
Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, I want you to see this. The seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is the word of God. And so I want to show you a couple of verses. You don't have to flip there with me, but I want to show you that the word of God is the seed, the good news of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says these words, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the what? Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You see, I get a lot of flack sometimes for reading 35 verses or whatever we read this morning. Sometimes I get a lot of flack for reading 23 verses like we read tonight. And sometimes I get a lot of flack for reading two chapters of Jeremiah at a time. But I want you to know something, that this book is not just a book. This book is a supernatural work of God. And when the Word of God is read, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and works in the hearts of all people. It says right there that you were born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. And we know that the Bible says that the Word became flesh was who? Jesus. And so tonight I want you to know something, and this is the piece of advice I give everyone that comes here. If you want great opinions, you'll not find them from me. If you want quality examples, you will not hear them from me. If you will want to explain to your children why you shouldn't repeat what the pastor said, I'm your guy. But what I can promise you this is as long as God leaves me here and as long as God gives us the privilege to worship together is this is where the sermons are coming from. Because this is the hope that changes lives. The word of God being preached is how God begins to chisel away at the hardest of hearts. This book right here that God begins to take and implant can take a husband and wife who are ready to sign divorce papers and give them a love for one another that changes everything. This book is what can guide and lead our youth and children into a future that loves God and serves God. It's this book. And so when I tell preachers, when they ask, well, what do you do to, to grow a church? I said, I don't have any idea. I get up there and I preach and I do pretty much everything my seminary professors told me don't do. But it's because I believe this. The word of God is proclaimed. I think that's why your Sunday school classes are being honored. It's because God's word is being proclaimed. And tonight I want you to know something. You say, Jake, I wish you were more creative. Jake, I wish you were, were better speaker. Jake, I wish all these things. Tonight, what you need and what I need more than anything is more of the word of God. We need more of the incorruptible seed that brings life to our souls, that brings life to our marriage, that brings life to the church. You want to know what happens when Baptist churches grow cold and dead? It's because they've got over the fact that the Word of God 
is real. And that the Word of God tells us how to worship. And the Word of God can still be used by the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin. That the Spirit of God can still take the Word of God and work and move in mighty ways. See, Hebrews 4 describes it like this in verse 12. For the Word of God is... I'm not real smart, but I think it says something that you can read, right? It is living. It's living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of hearts. So tonight I want to challenge you, church. Love this book. Love the author of this book. Spend more time in this book than you do with the news. Spend more time in this book than with your romance novels or whatever you read. God will use this book and the person that he is talking about to change your life. You say, Jake, I just don't believe that. Well, then you're arguing with God. Because he just said it was what? Living and powerful. That it will discern your thoughts and mine. It shows us the intents of our heart. And so tonight I want to challenge you that when Jesus is talking about seed, he's talking about the word of God, he's talking about the good news of Jesus, and that we are to be spreaders of the seed. That's so important tonight. And so we see here that he's saying someone is spreading the seed. But who is the sower in this passage of Scripture? Well, if you want to run down to verse 37 with me, in verses 38 of the 13th chapter, he tells us who the sower is. Then he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the word, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the son of the wicked one. You see, as Jesus was going from town to town and house to house and performing miracle after miracle, he was spreading the good news. He was spreading the seed that the kingdom of heaven was what? At hand, that the Son of God was here, that the Word of God had became flesh, that He was the promised Messiah. And so tonight, you and I are not the Son of Man, but He has went to heaven And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he has given us a mission to take the great commission into where? All the world. And when we go, we are not supposed to be just passing along conservative principles. We're not just supposed to be repeating what we heard on Fox News. We are to be spreading the good news of Jesus. We are to be spreading the Word of God. And so for you tonight, I want to challenge you that this week when you get an urge to share your opinion in the middle of a difficult situation, just stop. I know it is almost impossible for some of you, but just stop. And if for just one week... Try to quote scripture. You say, Jake, I can't quote scripture. Then maybe you shouldn't be giving your opinion either. Because quoting scripture should be the overflow of someone who is spending time in the word of God. Who is spending time in prayer. And just one week, I just ask you, just one conversation this week. If before you talk, you would stop and say, what does the Bible say? Because friends, I can promise you something. The Word of God might drive people away from you. 
but it does not return void. The Bible might make people angry. They might hate what you have to say. But when it is the word of God, God will use it to show them of their need for Jesus. Of their need to repent of their sin. You say, Jake, I know my Bible and I like to paraphrase it. Please stop. Please stop. And I know I've told this before. And Dr. Rogers told it first about the kids who thought they'd be funny. They thought they'd glue their pastor's Bible together. And as he began to preach, he began to preach about Adam and Eve. And as he turned his page, it was stuck together. And he turned it and it went right to the place where it described the dimensions of the ark. And he said, and Eve was so many cubits wide and so many feet long and shut his Bible and said, that must be the world's biggest woman. But if the Bible says it, I believe it. That's how I hear people quote all the time the scriptures. Well, the Bible says this. And I'll say, the Bible never says that Eve ate of an apple. The Bible never say, says that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. The Bible says that she ate of something and that Jonah was swallowed by a giant fish that God had created for that purpose. And so when someone says science has proven that there's no whale big enough to swallow Jonah, that might be the case, but it doesn't say that a whale swallowed Jonah. You say, I've heard it said many times. Well, the Bible says that you should honor your father and mother, and so that means do what you're told. That's exactly right, but don't leave out the part where it says, thou shalt not provoke your children to what? Wrath. And I put the thou shalt because I want you to have it on the same wavelength. But how many times have you heard that and seen that? But yet I want you to know tonight that if you will share the word of God, quote the scriptures of God, study the word of God, God will use you to spread seed in many places. And the third thing I want to show you tonight is not just the seed, not just the soil, sower, but the soil. And tonight the soil are the hearts of people. And he gives us some of them here in these passages of Scripture. And if you have your Bible, you're welcome to flip back and forth with me. But in verse 4 it says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And so he flip over to verse 19 where he explains it. When in, excuse me there in verse thir chapter 13, verse, verse uh, 20. Uh, yeah, there, the kingdom of heaven is uh, there, verse 19. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The first thing I want to show you is some people's hearts won't receive what God offers them. He's telling you right here that it has not been received. It is something that has fallen on hard ground, would have been their version of a sidewalk, and it is plucked away. And I want to describe what that looks like tonight. Tonight you're sitting here listening to me talk about the Word of God and the Son of God, and some of you are thinking, I wonder if we're going to Mimos or I wonder if we're going to Autons. Satan has swooped in and stole what little God has been sowing in your life. You say, well, you know what, preacher, I tell you what, that sermon sure is good, but I can't remember if I left the lights on at home or not. A couple Sunday nights ago, I got home from church, and our house had been tailored up papered. Bless me more than I can describe to you. <laughs> Marshes, I think you got it too. And then they drove all the way to Dalgar, and I hope they burn every gas, ounce of gas they had. But anyway, uh, 
I called my wife and I said, you know we got TP? She said, oh, it was better than that. I said, what do you mean? She said, the front door was open. Every light in the house was on. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. I hope no one saw what that looked like. I said, you think they went inside? And then I thought, well, no one ended up at the hospital with a tetanus shot, so apparently not. And I thought, oh, oh, I can't believe they saw that. I can't believe, oh, my, I can't believe it. But friends, tonight I want you to know something, that I had no choice whether or not I received that toilet paper. It was given to us, and we found a few rolls to use once they left, by the way. Praise the Lord. But friends, I want you to hear tonight that when he is talking about this, he is talking about those who have heard, and yet before you have made a decision, Satan distracts you with something else. And friends, that happens so easy. So many times. Listen to what Hebrews, the third chapter, verses 7 through 8 says. Talking about hardness and not refusing to hear from God. In Hebrews, the third chapter, starting in verses 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness. You see, friends, the more times you hear the Word of God, and we just looked at this last week, and you've said no, and you've said no, and you've said no, friends, you become harder and harder and harder. And it's almost like you can hear a sermon and not even think about it. I've been in church services before where the sermon was preached, and people have sat here, and people sat there. One person has moved to God and saved and born again, and the next person can walk out like they didn't even hear a sermon. Why? Because they have hardened their heart. Listen to how the 12th chapter of the book of John describes it. But although he had done so many signs before them, don't miss this, they did not believe him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled which spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Did you notice at the beginning of that it said they did not believe him? And then it said they what? Could not believe him. Friends, I am telling you today, if the Spirit of God is convicting you, if the Spirit of God is dealing with you, today respond. Don't tell him no today because it becomes easier tomorrow and God will take your hardness and he will harden your heart to the point that you can sit through a church service, the pastor can preach on pride, you can be the most prideful person in the world and say, don't bother me at all. Preach about any sin there is and you can sit here and say, I know I've got that sin, but it don't bother me at all. Because why? When they did not believe, God made it so that they could not believe. Second thing I want to show you about these soils is the next one there in verses 5 and 6. That it doesn't go beyond the surface. It says there in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 13, it says, Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. 
And if you flip over in verse 21, Jesus describes what that was. He says there, But he who received, in verse 20, the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the world, immediately he stumbles. Now most people think that this is like a... This is like a rocky quarry, but what it really is, is in Israel, there's a whole lot of areas where you have very little topsoil and then lime. And so things will grow just a little bit, but yet they will not be able to penetrate the limestone. And so when bad weather comes, when storm comes, when drought comes, those plants and crops and things that are about this deep die when the trials and persecution comes. That's why I no longer judge the success of a church service by how many of you hoop or holler or shout or weep because emotion is the simplest way for God to work in your life, but it is also the easiest way for Satan to work in your life. I've been in church services where people wept and wept. And I'm not against emotion. I really do think some of you need to break open the the tear ducts. Your brain's not going to explode if you cry, if you shed some tears for your lost family and friends. But I really do believe, I've seen it, people have wept and begged God and moved. And the moment they hit the back door, it was like it never happened. And just what Jesus is saying here, people who are emotionally involved, people who are caught up in the moment, I would describe it as church camp 2.0, right? You get, you get all those kids together, and the Lord does great things at church camp, but a lot of that is emotion, right? A lot of it is peer pressure in the good sense, and so a lot of those emotions go on, and then the week they leave, it's back to what? The same way they were before. And so that's what Jesus is saying here is people think that it's a great thing. It's something that they really want. But yet, when life begins to wait in on them, when difficulties become to rise, they don't last. The third one he talks about here in the soils is in verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. And so over in verse 22, it says and describes, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the world and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world and he becomes unfruitful. You see, these are not just people that won't accept it. These aren't just people that won't let it sink in. These are people who won't make room for what God wants to do. The perfect example of this is the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, what must I have to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what? Sell all that you have and follow me. And his, the Bible says that he left sad or heartbroken. Because why? He wanted eternal life, but he did not want to sacrifice what he had in his life. And I really do believe this is the soil that we are watching in America today. Oh, boy, people will come to church and they will, they will make professions of faith. But the moment that the word of God tells them that they shouldn't or should do something, who does God think he is? God's word doesn't have to be my boss. I'm saved, but Jesus isn't Lord of my life. And friends, when you get to a point in your life when the word of God tells you something, or Jesus has laid it on your heart to do something, And you say, I would, but you are that person. The things of this world have creeped in and taken the place of Jesus. 
You see, you can't have Jesus and something else. It's either him or nothing. You either love him or hate him. You either belong to him or you're at war with him. You're either following him or denying him. And that is a black and white answer for a country that doesn't want black and white answers. And so tonight you need to make sure that whatever Jesus asks of me, whatever the word of God tells me, when the Bible tells me to repent, I need to repent. When the Bible says stop, I need to stop. When the Bible says go, I need to go. And friends, as you live your life and the difficult moments of life come, I want you to ask yourself that, what is the fruit that is hanging off my tree? You see, the church has got lots of spiritual nuts, but what we need is spiritual fruit. And I ask you that tonight. What is the spiritual fruit in your life? Because of the sp- spiritual fruit is not of the Spirit. Tonight you might just be that person who has got too much going on in the kitchen. But the fourth and the positive one as we close tonight. It's not just the one who won't let it sink in. It's not the one that won't go beyond the surface. It's not the one who won't make room. It's the one who won't refuse what God is doing. You see, look what it says in verses 8 and 9. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Flip over there to verse 23 as Jesus explains it. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Tonight I want you to know that there is no problem with the seed. You can till a field, you can water a field, you can do everything possible to a field, but if you don't put good seed in the ground, guess what you got? Nothing. And so tonight I want to challenge you as a church and as a Christian to sow good seed. Tonight, I want to challenge you to be a sower. How many times have you shared your faith recently? How many times have you walked up to someone and said, Hey, I just wanted you to know that Jesus Christ has changed my life. and He can change yours. Can I tell you about it? I really do believe that if more Christians would tell people about the wonderful things that Jesus has done in our life, it would be remarkable how God could work. Most of us have hid it under a bush. Most of us hide our faith. We, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to offend people. But friends, today I want you to know that you have no idea how years later God might produce a result from the seed that you have sown today. You know, most of you have been here longer than I've been alive. You guys were giving out free water before we free water was cool to give out. But I am always amazed at how many people after all these years at the Fall Festival, how many years have it been? You've probably been giving away free water 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. I'm looking at all the old people and no one's responded. But anyway, uh, peep, you don't remember. <laughs> Amen. People walk up and be like, I don't understand why you're giving out free water. Well, apparently water's more expensive than I realize or something because it's like it's a new car. But, and I'll say, well, because God loved us and gave us salvation and offered it freely and and, um, and we're just trying to be a blessing. Well, I, don't, I just don't understand. And I'm like, man, if we gave away something really cool, there's no telling what we could have happen, right? But no, people are like, I just don't understand. And we've had people that have tried to give us money angrily. Like, you take it. I'm like, we ain't taking it. 
And you know me, I'll just throw it on the ground, let it blow away. That's, you know, it's not the right response, but it's the response I give them. And, and they just don't understand. And friends, you never know how that changes someone's life. How many times down the road, someone will be like, hey, do you remember that time you gave us a free water? Yes. Are you the guy that I argue with about taking the money? Nope, that was someone else. That wasn't me. And how many people have said, you know, I was going through a tough time in my life, and, and that got me started thinking, and, you know, there was just a church down the road, and so I thought maybe I might I'll try it out. And, and you think it was just a free water. But yet God will honor sowers. And so tonight, whether it's in your own family, moms and dads, grandma and grandpas, when you have your grandchildren, do everything you can to talk about the Lord with them. Everything you can to have Christian music playing. Everything you can do to pray with them in the morning before they go to school or pray before you go to supper or before you go to bed or, or whatever it is. Because you never know how the seed that you're sowing God might use. And so tonight you say, well, Jake, what about all these people that got bad soil? Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, I'm a bad soil and there ain't nothing that can be done about it. Well, I'm glad that you ask because I have two verses tonight for you that God tells about soil. Jeremiah, the fourth verse, verse three, says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among sores. Thorns. Tonight, if you will call on the Spirit of God and call on Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, He will break up that soil. He will take that soil that has been planted in thorns. He'll take that soil that is only so deep. He'll take that soil that has become hard and He will till it anew. And He can make it tonight so that you can have a relationship for Him. You say, Jake, that's just one verse. You took it out of contact. Well, that's wonderful. I'd love to show you another one tonight. In Hosea, the 10th chapter, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to what? Seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Tonight I want you to know that you can't till your own soil. That's something that God does. But tonight, friends, if you are hearing my voice and the Spirit of God is convicting you, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, He will break it all up. He will make it so that the seed will be planted and that the seed will grow. And tonight, if you want to be saved, you can be saved. You say, Jake, well, I'm already a Christian and... Uh, and what about my soil? And this is not the context of that. But friends, some of you have let your soul, your soil get corrupted. You've gotten hard to the things of God. You've sitting here and listened and listened and listened to sermon after sermon after sermon and you've grown cold. Some of you tonight are here and you have allowed the things of this life to creep in on your walk with God. Where you used to pray, you used to study, you used to read, those days are gone. But tonight if you want God to use you, You've got to come to a point where you say, Lord, whatever it takes. Lord, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do with me, God, however you want to work in my life, I am willing to say yes. So tonight I challenge you with that. So I'm going to ask tonight that you bow your heads with me. And the first thing I want you to know is think about your relationship with Jesus. I'm not asking you tonight if you're a church member. I'm not asking you tonight if you're a Sunday school teacher. 
I'm not asking you tonight if you've been baptized. I am asking you tonight, do you know and love Jesus? You say, Jake, I think I do. I, I might. I'm not sure. Today, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because today, that's the only question that matters. Do you know him as the Lord and Savior of your life? Today, if you don't, I want you to know that God will save you. You say, Jake, why do you give invitations like this on Sunday night? Because I've seen many people saved in Sunday night services. I've seen deacons' wives saved in Sunday night services. And so tonight, don't you think for one second that God doesn't know whether or not you're good soil or whether you've been saved? Because he does. You might be able to fool me. You might be able to fool the person sitting next to you. But tonight, God knows whether or not you're his. You say, Jake, I know I'm saved and I know I'm not where I should be tonight. Would you say, God, whatever you want in my life, I want you to take the stuff out that shouldn't be there. And Lord, I want you to give me a love for the things that should be. You say, Jake, I'm just too busy to follow Jesus that way. Then you're robbing yourself of what God wants for you. You say, Jake, I'm just too tired to serve God that way anymore. I've, just, I've served him so long, I'm just wore out. Let God till that soil tonight. Let God prepare and work in your heart to receive what he has for you. You say, Jake, what does that mean for me? That might mean that you need to forgive somebody that God's been convicting you to forgive. That might mean tonight that you need to apologize to someone that you should have long ago apologized to. That, mean, that might mean tonight that that person that God's been convicting you of, that you drive by their house every single day, that you need to stop and share your testimony with them. Maybe you've stopped sowing seed altogether. Maybe you've shared your faith at work so many times that no one's ever listened. Keep sowing. Results are not based on what we see. God wants you to sow. So tonight, I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what it looks like for your family. But tonight, I want you to know that I'm going to be standing right down front here with my Bible. And I'd love to show you what it takes to be saved. Tonight, maybe God just wants you to get alone and do business with him. Maybe God wants you to bring your wife. Maybe God wants you to just come and pray for someone else. Whatever it is. Tonight, don't refuse what he has for you. He's good. And he loves you. And so as Brother Jamie begins to sing in Janice's place, tonight if you would stand with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you let him have his way in your life tonight? Today as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.